0: Welcome to the podcast. In this episode, I talk with Olivia Peterson about using sustainable design, human-centered design and systems thinking to respond to the climate crisis. Olivia Peterson, welcome to the conversation today.
1: Hi, John. Thanks for having me.
0: It is a pleasure to be with you. You're joining us from Colorado. I'm south of Salt Lake City in Utah. And today we're going to be talking about the climate crisis and using sustainable design, human-centered design and systems thinking within our organizations to try to tackle this challenge or at least contribute um, and and make some movement in dealing with the climate crisis and thinking about our... our, uh, environmental footprint uh, in our organization. As we get started, I wanted to share Olivia's bio with everybody. Olivia Peterson has been on an 11-year journey to figure out how she can contribute to solving the climate crisis. After working as a designer in the A&O industry for almost a decade, she became disheartened by the industry she loves so much and the ironic impact it has on people and planet. She has become a creative sustainability expert on a mission to build an innovative solution towards a sustainable future, and she founded. Her own company sosteo in January of 2020. Now, Olivia, anything else you would like to highlight for me or the audience by way of your background, personal context, or the company before we dive on in for the conversation today?
1: Yeah, that was a that was a great summary. Um, I just like to add to that, like sosteo is live, um, and people should go should go check it out
0: very cool very cool all right so let's start you know as as i was looking at your bio your longer bio you know i know that you have um your your academic training um is in sustainable design human centered design systems thinking these are frameworks and strategies i think that are very very essential not just when we're talking about the climate crisis uh or any kind of social impact arena but really for anything in business, I think it's really important that we use sustainable design, human-centered design, and systems thinking approach in how we go about doing things. So maybe we can start there for a moment. Um, You have a lot of experience, a lot of background in these areas. Can you describe for me in the audience a little bit about what you mean by sustainable design, human-centered design, and systems thinking, and why is it important as we're uh, trying to tackle the most complex and challenging issues in the world, such as the climate crisis?
1: Yeah, so I think to just dive into what is sustainable design first, um, because there's a million different, you know, definitions for sustainability. But when I in my work, what I specifically focus on with sustainable design is longevity of the business, but then also looking at the environmental sustainability, the social sustainability of that to really look at that triple bottom line of people, planet and profit. And beyond, like what's beyond that, and making sure that um, within a system of a business, those things are looked at. And so, of course, you know, a business can't run without profit. Um, but on top of that, what can we do to make sure that the systems within the business are providing value and making sure that every every stakeholder within that system is getting the value that they want out of that system?
0: Yeah, absolutely. And the reality is that. There are a lot of broken systems in the world um, or systems that aren't uh, really accomplishing what we'd hope or aren't as efficient as they could be or have a variety of negative externalities. Uh, And so as we try to think about and tackle the biggest challenges that we face personally within our homes, uh, within our organizations and society as a whole, uh, it, it really requires us to take that systems thinking approach, to take a step back, to understand all the inputs, to understand the, the stakeholders, to understand how they all interact with each other. Um, that will help us dig deeper below the surface. You know, if you think about the the, um, the iceberg metaphor, you only see that very little part above the surface. Most of it is down below. And that's what's really going to cause the damage when your ship, your ship goes by it. Um, so you need to understand those core uh foundational issues that are contributing to the problem. And that really only happens as we can take a holistic systems thinking perspective on the challenges that we're facing. Building upon that then, before we ever even get to the point of thinking about solutions, we need to really firmly understand the root causes of the problems. And then once we understand that better, then using sustainable design and human-centered design, we can create potential solutions that are actually Not going to continue to contribute to the problem or have these these negative unintended consequences, but are much more likely to be something that can contribute uh, and and allow us to make the type of impact that we really intend. I I do think that most people have good intentions. I think most organizations have good intentions. I think we want to do right by others and we want to do right for the, the planet, generally speaking. But we don't know how to do it, and oftentimes we we chase the wrong thing. We play whack-a-mole. We end up creating unsustainable systems um, or products or services that actually aren't addressing the root causes, and we end up chasing our tail. Right?
1: Yeah, yeah. There's <laughs> definitely a lot going on there because it's hard. We don't know what we don't know. So yeah, that's what I think systems thinking does a really good job of is helping us start to map out what could be the potential outcomes. You know what are we not thinking about? Who are all the stakeholders? What's upstream? What's downstream? And so that's what's really cool um, about systems thinking, and really trying to trying to have some sort of foresight before we just jump headfirst into different strategies or initiatives that could have more negative outcomes than positive. Um, And I think you're totally right. Like I think most people want to do good. Most think people, um, you know, put certain things into place because they think it'll be better for the business, the employees, um, but There can just be unknown consequences of things. And I think that's a really good example of that right now is what's going on is this, you know, ebb and flow effect of, you know, the industrial revolution really exploded everything. We need to be bigger, faster, more, more globally, et cetera. And now you see a lot of like the macro going back and trending towards the micro. So micro grids, (laughs) micro food systems, micro um, community networks, so it's it's a really cool time right now, is like how do now that we have all this global framework built out, whether it's like global supply chains, et cetera, how do we build out micro communities within those global systems? um because like we're globally connected, that connectivity is not going away. We don't want it to go away. Um, but now, looking at you know, especially in the trajectory, I'm just using the example of energy. Like the the grid started as microgrids. You know that's what it was because we weren't in the infrastructure wasn't there to could be connected nationally or globally. And now we're going back to microgrids where you know people have their own battery packs. Um, the renewables provide like backup support for local communities. So it's a really cool time to be kind of a part of all of this. Yeah, I think building more efficient systems um that i don't want to say this so like understanding and making carbon tangible is really hard and that's not how we think we think in dollars we don't think in carbon we don't think in units of kilograms so of emissions whatever that is so i think that's the hardest part is like how do we make this tangible for the everyday individual, how to make this tangible for leaders and businesses to take in their company and actually make impact. And every business, sustainability, ESG strategy is going to be different because every business is unique. And that's kind of like a beauty of, you know, uh, every unique business has their own unique challenges. So if you're a clothing business, you'll probably want to focus on your supply chains first, getting down those emissions and, and those areas. But what's cool about carbon is, inherently, if you make systems more efficient. um, But the tricky part there is not overlooking human capital and the externalized costs of making of making things more efficient. So that's part of the systems thinking is you got to, you know, map out the whole issue um, and know what the root cause is not the symptoms, but um, with efficient efficiency follows carbon reductions. Um, so if you, you know, get better at logistics, but get better at returns, making sure that there's less returns or that packages are being shipped more efficiently. And, you know, if you were a marketplace business, for example, um, what I'm trying to say is it's really hard because it's very unique to each company. And there's a lot of great tools out there that are helping businesses framework their carbon accounting. Um, and so to each business, this is again, where micro really helps dig into the micro um, nuances of your business. If you're a food business, you'll want to look at sustainable agriculture and and dive into soil health and look at, you know, the top of the system and the bottom of the system. Um, so I, I think that's really, uh, you know, a lot of what we do at Sisteo is, you know, how do you live a sustainable lifestyle? That's a really big question, especially because we are all unique and have very unique lives, locations, economic um, frameworks, et cetera. So I think that's when it really looks at, you need to look into the person personalizations of the system and how you can solve for those and build solutions around those creatively. For example, like consumers back to how do we make emissions tangible? I think a big thing that we've kind of overlooked is energy as consumers and as reducing our carbon footprints. Um and so by making things more tangible, like how do I reduce my home ener- my home carbon footprint? Well, what are the systems that go into your home? It's your water, it's your electricity, it's your gas. What is the carbon equivalence of those? Um, so that's really in a long form answer, how we can start to get down to like the basics. like What is the next step? So like as a sustainability director of a food company, like what is our full food system and let's map that out and who are the top of the funnel players and who are the bottom of the funnel players and how do we fit in the middle um and i think that's a big thing that is the best starting point is just mapping it all out and then you can figure out okay where are the biggest impacts um where are the biggest you know emitters and then you can start to like kind of chip away at it from there but you know a lot of companies are taking the approach of for setting, saying, yeah, we're gonna go net zero by 2050 before really mapping that system. And I think that's when companies get into hot water is by making those ambitious play, those ambitious um, commitments, which is great. Like if we don't reach for the stars then we'll never get there. Um, but then, you know, set, set the direction and then map that out. And I think that's a really good starting point. And I think it's overlooked often cause it's like, oh, we know what the map is. know we know we're in this we know the company but by just Mm -hmm. having it on paper and visualizing it for you to see and others to see it helps teams work together to actually figure out like where the biggest um impacts might be
0: yeah for sure and you you just noted you know the aspirational goals piece you know versus the the performative the concern that people have around performative measures versus real um movement and impact Uh, and, and I would say it's hard because you do want everyone to start where they're at and you do want people to have aspirational goals and this is messy and hard. And so you may have aspirational goals with really great intentions and you may not quite get there. Um, so I guess I would just say, you know, shoot for the stars also have some level of realism and then also make sure that you are putting in place systems, processes, mechanisms to help you actually reach towards achieving those goals. If not, it is just performative. You're not actually going to do anything. People see through it. Uh, it it not only is not motivating um, to customers and to people within your organization, but it actually will erode trust and it'll have a negative impact. So we do have to, to manage that and balance that. But I do want people to have ambitious goals and aspirational goals. Uh, but let's also be realistic and and let's also make sure that we're doing the simple things we need to be doing every day to to make the type of impact we're hoping to have.
1: Yeah, and I think it's there's a lot of humility that goes into it and just the same way businesses lay out their OKRs every quarter, that's what you should do with your sustainability, you know, plan as well. And a lot of the times what happens with OKRs is you set a goal and then they evolve and they shift. And I think businesses actually having a strong grasp on how their, you know, sustainability initiatives shifted, how they grew, where they fell short. I think being very transparent and humble about those is really cool because I think their our customers will see that progress being made. Um And, you know, sometimes you overshoot your goals, sometimes you're way under, but I think it's all about the learning journey there and actually learning from mistakes um, or learning from the accomplishments that really helps us get there faster, that just that humility and Mm -hmm. the actual quantification, the mapping out of the OKRs or the milestones that have been reached.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So. Well, I am I'm wondering what you think in terms of kind of this balance between organizations taking in a really important lead role on climate awareness, carbon neutrality, you know, making a difference, you know, for the planet versus individuals and individual level responsibilities. And what's the overlap there? Like what, yeah. how, how do the responsibilities of organizations also feed into those responsibilities of individuals and how can, how can they be mutually reinforcing?
1: Yeah, I think especially just from starting, like by digging into this, starting with my master's work and then starting the company in 2020, just the fluency of what are greenhouse gases, carbon emissions, how does the general po- public understand them and interact with them? Like just the change and in, in evolution of growth there from 2020 till now has been massive. Um, and I think that's my point is that, you know, corporations are human systems that have been treated like non-human systems since the Industrial Revolution. And at Sisteo, we focus on educating the consumer and how to live a more sustainable lifestyle so that they can take those frameworks, understand how the carbon cycle works in their own personal lives, so that they can have a greater understanding of these tools and frameworks that they can then go take into their work work um, environment, their daily choices within their companies. I think there's really a lot to be, a lot of s- s- social science is a lot of what we do, um, mm-hmm. but a lot of weight, we emphasize a lot of weight into that social aspect of this, of understanding how a kilogram of emissions or a ton of emissions fits into your carbon cycle as an individual And then, you know, it's a very, you know, it's much smaller. So we're talking, you know, anywhere from like seven to, you know, 20 tons, depending on who you are in the US, at least. That's, well, I'll draw the boundary just for our conversation. But being able to think about those building blocks in small units, I think is a much better way to then make this more tangible when you get into a corporation and you're looking at millions of tons of emissions and how do we manage those and, um, balance the carbon cycle within this company. So I think there's just a lot of parallel learnings, the same way that you learn um, other fundamental areas of your lifestyle that you then take into other areas of your work.
0: We talk a lot about carbon footprint um, and and offsets and all of these sorts of things. And it can become confusing and people can become, you know, a bit disillusioned by all of it. And you have, you know, I think of, you know, all the celebrities that who, who talk a good game and then they go fly around in their private jets. And so it, it seems hypocritical and people are like, ah, does it really matter? Um, you know, I, my family, we drive electric cars and we have solar panels. And so on the one hand, we're feeling good about what we're doing. On the other hand, you know, we realize there are other challenges associated with solar power and, you know, some of those things. So it's, it's not like an easy, simple thing. Um, what would you say are the most important things, you know, for us to be focusing on in terms of carbon footprint in particular, you know, both uh, from the corporation standpoint and individuals, how can companies be doing better? How can individuals be doing better? Um, What shared responsibility do we have there? You spoke to it a little bit, but maybe we can uh, flesh that out a bit more.
1: Again, it really depends on who you are and how you live. Um, But to your point of the more affluent people the people who make more bigger salaries um the people that have the agency to choose I think those people um you know it sounds like you know you and I fall into this category are the people that have the the time and the bandwidth to make it happen so um again this is a conversation that has just crossed my mind the other day so it's top of mind but um for example you know, energy rebates usually have a salary cap on them. So it can serve lower income folks, which I think is amazing. Like I understand the frameworks behind that. However, you know, people who have the biggest carbon footprints are the folks that don't meet those energy rebate salary caps. And it's like, okay, those are the people that have the time and space and excess money to think about these things. And they have the bigger footprints. So Again, it just goes back to this is a really hard issue and there's there's not one solution. I think that's where we get tunnel vision a lot of the times. It's like, oh well, you're focusing on the consumer, but it's about the business. And it's like there's gonna need to be millions of solutions to
0: yeah, fix the big
1: problem that we've created. Um and so it's, it's almost like figure out what you want to bang your head against the wall on for the next <laughs> years and stay with that. Because if you try to fix it all, you just can't, like, you'll just go into a wormhole of depression more or less. And that's <laughs> really, that was the journey with sustainable Like, I was like, cool, we're going to yeah. build a business on how to live a more sustainable lifestyle. And then, it, you know, I spent a thesis research worth and even a couple of years in the first early years of Sisteo being like, cool, how do we do that? Like, this is a big problem to wrap our arms around just looking at the consumer footprint. And we're, again, we're only talking about, you know, seven to 20 tons per consumer, but you times that by, you know, 330 million, that adds up really quickly. Um, and so, you know, I started to really categorize out the different pillars of our lifestyle and you got your food footprint, your transportation footprint, your clothing footprint, your consumption footprint, otherwise, and your energy footprint. And so we tried to do all of those things at one time and and eventually, you know, especially going through a, a couple of business accelerators, we went through TechStars in 2021, and that really helped us start to figure out, you know, like what is our solution that we want to focus on. So back to your other question of, you know, how do corporations and um, individuals work together? Um, so I'm speaking just from Sisteo's perspective and what we've chosen to bang our head against the wall on for the next decade or so is energy and how do we take advantage of all this money that's being poured into electrifying our grid making our grid more efficient how do we build a bridge between all the all the policy funneling down all the money funneling down from that policy the operators and installers that are trying to get into these consumers homes to adopt to install these more sustainable systems how do we be a bridge for those two stakeholders to to help the consumer electrify, and make their house more efficient, et cetera? Um, so that's really, you know, that that's one bridge, and that's the bridge we're focusing on. Um, the energy footprint is massive. The grid is, you know, the thing in this world that makes our quality of life so much better. Um, and energy is just fascinating in and of itself so that, you know, like there's issues with solar and there's, you know, sure there's issues with HVAC systems and installing heat pumps and making sure they're in, they're installed correctly. And that's you know, another big issue right now is, especially in rural areas, like the installers don't exist, mm. that know how to install these high efficiency, um, heat pumps or HVAC systems, for example. So there's a big learning curve in every aspect and every facet, um, but ultimately, you know, what we're focused on is, you know, how do we empower people to live more sustainably, especially through their home energy and water footprint, which they have the most agency over. So like, what I mean by that is, yeah, I fly, I have to fly a lot for work or to see my family a lot and take care of my mom or, you know, whatever it is. That was another cool learning moment within like balancing your carbon cycle. So it's like, cool, I cannot change certain aspects of my life, I can't change my transportation and how much I commute to work every day. Um, But I can change what type of energy I use in my home, because my utility offers a green program, or because I can get $10,000 in energy rebates to get solar. So I think that's what's really cool about energy in the home that's been really overlooked, like a lot of sustainability talk in in the headlines that you've seen over the last several years is around you know, your diet and hamburger and going meatless and Mm -hmm. um, flying less, but it it really comes into play of like, what are the social impacts of that? And and what do we actually have control over? What do we want to do? Because altruism can die really quickly when it really impacts your life in a negative way or a way that you just don't prefer. But with energy, it's like, who doesn't want a more efficient household? Who doesn't want to pay less in electricity expenses? Right. I think it's a really amazing place to empower the individual.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well said. Well, Olivia, I know at the time I'm going to have to let you go here in just a minute, but before we wrap things up, I just wanted to give you a chance to share with the audience, how they can connect with you, find out more about your work, your team, and give us the final word on the topic for today.
1: Yeah. So you can check out Sosteo. sign up for free to better manage your home efficiency and actually get paid to reduce your home energy footprint on Sisteo.com. It's a web app, so you don't need to download anything. You just access it directly through the website. Um, And that's S-U-S-T-A-I-O dot com. Um, I'm on LinkedIn at Olivia Peterson, if you want to talk to me directly. Um, And then I think the final word is uh, just kind of summing up what we've been talking about. It's a really hard solution. There's not one one solution that fits all. So, you know, figure out what your niche is and just dig into that if you want to be a part of the climate um, solution.
0: Yeah. Wonderful. Olivia, thank you so much. It's been a pleasure. I encourage the audience to reach out, get connected, find out more about what Olivia and Sisteo can do for you. And as always, I hope everyone can stay healthy and safe, that you can find meaning and purpose at work each and every day. And I hope you all have a great week. Thanks again for joining us for this episode of the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. I hope you stay healthy and safe and that you have a great week.